You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, because of course it is, because who else does this but me? It's only me, literally just me, by myself. Anywho, have I got an interview subject lined up for you? It's an extraordinarily talented Western Australian-based singer and songwriter, Stacey Ann Duff. She goes by the name Seegers, and she has a wonderful new EP out, four tracks of Pure Oral Bliss, I Was Never Lost Without You is the name of it, and that's the reason for the conversation, actually. So let's get to it. Here she is, Stacey Ann Duff. Hello. Hey, how's things going? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thanks for, for taking the call and for, for the interview. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. No, all good, all good. Uh, yeah, so you're over in Perth, aren't you? Yeah, over in Perth. Yeah, Gold Coast. Ah, yeah. Can't you tell? <laughs> never gets too cold. I've been swimming and everything today. It never gets too cold here, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's funny seeing all the people that move up from down south up here and, uh, you know, they bring all their black clothes and stuff and I think you're not going to bloody use it. <laughs> yeah. You know, all their polar f- fleece and all the rest. So we get like six weeks of cold weather, even on the Gold Coast, you know. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know, what is it now? I'll tell you exactly what it is now. I'm going to probably make a mockery of me. 17 degrees. I mean, yeah. oh, that's that's not cold to me, but, you know, to some people I suppose it is. That's cold to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, look, look, Lee sent me over, um, as he does, because I, I think I've interviewed more artists now, Australian artists from Perth than anywhere else, and I'm always mm. staggered by the quality of the musicianship and the performance craft and the songwriting, and you're in that too, I'll let you know that, because <laughs> I always find, I don't think I've ever found anything, I don't think I've ever heard an artist from Perth that I haven't found something to like about, if you know what I'm saying, because I get sent a shitload of stuff. And often I'll listen to it for, I'll give it about, if it's an album and it's, you know, eight or nine tracks, I'll give it about 20 minutes. And if it hasn't got me by then, I'll just move on and I won't comment on it or I won't just seek out an interview or what have you. But, I, you know, I, I love it when music and people who listen to the podcast know, know me well enough to know that I love when music finds a place in my life. Mm. Okay, so I'm busy. I've got two kids. You know, I'm we're constantly going, so it's very hard for me to listen with headphones in and put music on and have have it be an immersive experience. It really has to integrate into my life, if that makes sense. And your yeah. music, your music does that exceptionally. You can have your music on in the background, and please do take this as a compliment because uh, oh. sometimes you know you can have your music on in the background and it integrates into into your life. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It's not so. Mm. It's not sort of all over the shop. It's cohesive. And mm. when, I, when I was putting down, so so the, I think the strength across the EP's four cuts is that you know your voice very well and you've matched it well to the instrumentation. So the cadence of the beat and also, importantly, the atmosphere that you're trying to create. Um, now, a lot of people listening, they won't have heard your music because most of my audience is in the United States. So... For, for the people who are listening who have yet to get acquainted with your music, how would you describe what you've done across the EP, I Was Never Lost Without You? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I think I they were a whole heap of songs that I'd written myself on a piano um, and as a, like, artist who writes through her emotions and um, kind of finds therapy in those. Well, not really therapy, but you know what I mean, like an artist yeah, who writes yeah, through yeah. emotions. Yeah. Um, and the way that that kind of cohesively came across was that those songs were written around the same time and around similar themes, 
and I worked with Cam Bluff, who was like so great at listening to them and picking out parts um, and using like those parts that I'd written and helped me kind of move towards a like more produced theme. And yeah. um, that was how we came about it. Like we, I came with the songs and like I had a rough idea of how I wanted them to go, but, and like little melodies and parts. And then he kind of intertwined them all and like made my vocals kind of sit perfectly within that, if that makes yes. sense. Like well, my, he's yeah, I don't have a yeah. big vocal rate, like massive vocals. I can't really belt out these huge pop bangers, but I know where, you know, my vocals sit. But thank God you haven't tried. You know what I mean? Like that's my point mm. about you. You like you know we've all got our limitations, and that's not to say that you are limited. It just means what you're good at. You know what mm. you're good at. But do you remember a couple of years ago when Fergie from Black Eyed Peas, whether or not she's still in the band or not, who knows? But she probably isn't after that NBA performance that she put on. Do you remember that? I do remember it. Like I remember it being. My God. Kind of like oh, okay, like yeah. It was like it was it, to call it a train wreck. Like. I, I get that she's she's putting herself out there, but she's not Beyonce. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. Like, and and Beyonce isn't Beyonce half the time these days. Mm. You know, some of her live stuff, it's auto, it's it's live auto tune and stuff that they've used there. I know it. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I can hear it. I'm a musician. I know what's going on. But mm. for Fer, Fergie to get out there by her bloody self, and to do that, it's like, who thought that was a good idea when you were practicing? Did your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it was go, "You go, girl, you've got this." You, you know what I mean? And that's, but yeah. I think you, you know, you've really, you've really, you've understood that with what you're trying to achieve here. So, that's the next question. Beyond that, is is what? Tell me about the, the lyrical themes that you're addressing through your music. Um, I have lyrics have always been something that have been very personal for me. Um, so. Uh, Obviously, the themes have been um, heartbreak and breakup and, like, surrounding yourselves with people that aren't always the best for you. But then using those experiences to kind of go, actually, like, sometimes it's just associations and it's just not the right time. It doesn't sure. mean that they're bad people or I'm a bad person or, like, it's sometimes those things just don't fit together well. And using, like, particularly with your know I've won, um, using the idea that, you can use those feelings as motivation and still kind of move forward. Um, sure. Yeah, so lyrics have always been a really personal thing and I sometimes cringe. Like I always cringe when I hear them or I see them written out, you know, without music behind them, but then when they are like accompanying melodies and they make sense. Um, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, lyrics are a tough one, aren't they? Because you can choose to be very personal and be your soul. And mm. then you feel like as though you've shared too much of your own psyche with people and to your point, yeah. you can be uncomfortable listening back to it. But on the other yeah. side of that, if you go like Mike Patton from Faith No More and you just sing about cooking dinner or something ridiculous, mm. it loses its connection with people in my view. So the, I think but I think as, as we mature as songwriters and as we sort of understand how our audience reacts to the music that you're creating, I think that's how you find the middle ground. Do you find that? Do you rely on feedback from, from fans and listeners and family? Yeah, sometimes I do. It depends whether I'm struggling with a song or not. So if I'm struggling with a song, then I'll be like, oh, how does this sound? Or, you know, but if I'm not struggling with it, it will kind of just flow and there'll be little touches that I need to make. Like there'll be the end of a sentence and I'm like, mm, I, I know what I want to say, but that's not it. 
like, yeah. So yeah. I tend to um, not really seek out um, any like kind of comments just as I'm writing it until I'm kind of almost at the end and then I'm like, this is kind of a full song, so don't be too harsh because yeah. I like it the way it is. <laughs> Yeah. Did, you, did, did you think about going for like an album given that the, I mean the, the four songs are extremely strong so did you did you have other songs that you left on the cutting room floor so to speak that could be worked on then to become an album I think that I'm I do have other songs that could then be worked on to become an album but they didn't these ones felt like a story these ones felt like they belong together and mm. I am I like doing things that are like bodies of work that kind of sit mm. nicely together rather than, yeah, like I was, I'd, I'd contemplated putting a couple more songs on there, but I'd, they didn't fit, if that makes sense. Albums really are something that really, that, that they took a hold in the 70s. Mm. You know, how the record industry convinced artists to make money for the record companies, I think. They're not necessarily always the most appropriate vehicle. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of artists these days just release singles one after the other, or you, you, or they go the Drake route where they just release whatever the hell they've got, like forty song albums, fifty song albums, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whether or not, I mean, it's a serious list of demands that Drake issues to a listener to keep up with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And and same with Kanye. They, they, I know Kanye's not as prolific as what Drake is, but sometimes you think sometimes that ambition needs to be tempered. And I think mm. EPs are a great medium for that because one or two songs just sort of get you into it. But an EP, four songs, you now I think people can get a real real solid understanding of what you're trying to achieve musically, you know. And and you mentioned somebody there before too, the fellow that you worked with on it. Was it, did you say, on a production side of things or helped you record it? Yeah, no, he produced it. So he came up with, like, all of the instrumentation and, like, I wrote all of the, like, melody and the chords and everything. But, um, yeah, he did all of the instrumentation and all the producing and it was, yeah, it was fantastic to work together. What's his name again, sorry? Cam Bluff. He's worked a lot with um, Illy and All Day and Amy Sharp as well. And, like, yeah, he's just, yeah, really cool guy, really lovely guy. And he's just, um, we worked really well together, which is super important with that, like, artist-producer kind of relationship. You kind of don't feel, yeah, yeah you've got to be able to bear your soul. Look, I've, I've worked in studio sessions where producers haven't gotten along with main songwriters or the, the person yeah. who's driving a band and me just as the guy turning up and playing. Um, I've been a bit of a wallflower and just observed the friction that's come from it. Yeah. And consequently um i think those sessions actually the two sessions that have been a part of where there was that conflict they were all shelved so basically i took time off work and all the rest of it to do the mm. sessions and all for frankly nothing um mm. and 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 to be honest i don't think it was all the producer's fault either i think that there is some give and take there is some ebb and flow yeah. on that sort of thing so producers are obviously you know they're in there most of the time that's what they do so sometimes they do know best do you know mm. have, you, have you found that that point where you're able to sort of it's not about disagreeing with the producer but where you go okay I'm going to listen to this because I think it's worthwhile listening to this and I'm going to step back and let them make a decision was that something that was hard for you to do at times um it has been I actually no I haven't actually found that hard um I've um found speaking up when I don't like something has been hard but um I've generally sought out people that I liked the work of and I liked the vibe of anyway and mm. um kind of and i've i know in myself that i've needed that um 
external feedback or that external inspiration or their like their input. Um, so I haven't found it hard um, from that perspective, but I, yeah, I have found speaking up when I'm kind of like, oh, this really isn't, no, we need to take it. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who, who inspired you to create music then? Who, you know, when you were, you know, a young lady sort of listening to, you know, there's the cliche when I was younger, uh, it was poison and then faith no more and all this sort of stuff, you know, who is it for you? My mine was Silverchair and Smashing Pumpkins, and <laughs> and my mum. So me and my mum. Nice. My mum was a music teacher, and she used to. Um, she was a music teacher at a high school, and she would like notate Metallica songs and Smashing Pumpkins songs for her Fantastic. students. Yeah. And I was so inspired because it was like I was in it was the nineties. Yeah. And I was. Um, like long hair, it was the height of grunge and I was just so inspired to be like these kids that my mum was like notating all of these songs for and it was amazing. Like she had rock bands and all of that stuff and this was like high school music. But, um, yeah, that and Silverchair and, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we're of the similar vintage then, you know, going, growing up in the 90s. Um, Metallica I could definitely identify with, mate, their earlier stuff, of course. Not that I got into it then, I was too young, but, you know, the Black Album broke and then I got into Master of Puppets, as you do, you know. But yeah. with Silverchair, I just found them, yeah, I tr- believe me, I tried. I just found them too juvenile or something, maybe their imagery or what have you. I just couldn't. Yeah. I, thought, I, th- I thought they had songs, occasional songs that were just outstanding. Um, yeah. Like Israel, Israel Sun and stuff, like simple, straight to the point, great heavy rock songs influenced by Black Sabbath, and they just did a really yeah. good job with that stuff. But um, yeah, Nirvana, that's the other one, the huge one. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, if there is a more continuously influential rock band ever, outside of the Stones, Zepp, Zeppelin, the Beatles, mm. mate, tell me who they are, you know, because mm. there, there, are, I see eight-year-olds wearing their T-shirts and they're into them. They might have bought the T-shirt from Kmart because it's been licensed, but they know yeah. what's going on with the music, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. that's a that's a band that I think in in um, the same way that academics study Bach and Beethoven now from four, three and 400 years ago, the same thing's going yeah. to happen, I think, with that band because of its cultural influence, if you like. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, gosh, they're a band I've been on the fence with for a long time. I must say, um, I, I think I thought that that double album was outstanding. The first, mm. the, like the rock songs, were great, but then it really fell away on the second half of that second album. I can't remember. I don't think it's got, yeah. yeah, I know it was named, but I can't remember what the two discs were named. But outside of that, yeah, I, th- I just think Billy Corgan these days he just should hang up the guitar. He's just he hasn't done anything decent <laughs> in so long. <laughs> you, do you feel, do you feel the same one now? I listen to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins new stuff, but oh. <laughs> what's just him? Yeah, yeah, it's just him. Yeah. You know, Sorry, bringing yeah, in whoever. Him. Yeah, because yeah. he, he, he has falling outs with the original members and they sort of drift in yeah. and out. You know, the drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, especially, I think, who's an excellent drummer, like outstanding drummer for that genre. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to keep up with what he's doing these days and he's. He got into wrestling and then he was being interviewed by Alex Jones, you know, the the guy who believes in all the conspiracy theories and stuff. Mm. And it was like, what are you doing? Wow. <laughs> you know, he's, he's sort of, he's, he sort of went out there, but, you know, but uh, look, but for you, just bringing it back to you again, you are, you are an accomplished songwriter, that much is evident based on the strength of the songs across the EP. 
But being realistic, how far do you think you can take it in terms of making a career out of it, or is it just is it just one of those things that you want to keep as a hobby, so to speak? You know, that's a really tough question because I don't know that um, I'm always striving to take it as far as I can. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm always striving to take it as far as I can. I'm going to keep writing, keep working on my craft um, and keep um, pursuing opportunities and all of that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would like to take it as far as I can. But if hobby is all, as it, all, it, beca- all it becomes, then that is um, fine as long as music stays part of um, me and something that I continue to do because I don't write because I love I don't write because I love to write or I write because I need to. Like I've stopped yeah. I've stopped writing in the past and I'm kind of like, oh, something's not right in my life. And then I'll write like, you know, have this spree of like creating heaps of like lyrical ideas or melodies or like a couple of songs will just kind of drift out and I'll be like, I don't know where that came from and then it will make sense. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. if that sounds really ridiculous, but I do write because I need to write. So, yeah. Makes absolute sense. I mean, you're you're clearly a born musician, and it's it's your um, it's your muse, literally. Uh, it's the thing that allows you to express and be yourself. And without yeah. without music, you wouldn't be yourself. So I can I can absolutely identify with that. I mean, I transition. I still play, but I just play covers these days. It's I love mm. performance. I, I think mm. I think as musicians, we've just got to find our outlet. And to me, it's not writing; it's performance. Yeah. I love being in front of a big crowd. And playing covers yeah. like an RSL club and leagues club, that sort of thing. And you know, when you've got yeah. forty or fifty people, like that's an average crowd for us, forty or fifty people, but mm. they're into it and they're dancing. The night goes mm. by so quickly, and I get home, and I especially notice that the next day, I feel like as though I've served a purpose in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's how I feel as well. Like I had a gig a couple of weeks ago, and there wasn't a massive turnout, but it was better than I expected after all of the restrictions had eased, and. Mm. I went home and I couldn't sleep because I was on such a high and I was like, this is why I exist, to write and to play music to people. And I'm happy if I just have one person or two people that are, like, really into it in the audience or, like, if I'm playing to someone and they're just really vibing on it, then that's enough for me. Hmm. Yeah. You mentioned Amy Shark before. I read the Triple J. Um, is it Unearthed? I can't remember where it was, sorry, but I read yeah. something that was on the Triple J page about you and I think... I don't. Think, I haven't listened to Triple J in so long, to be honest. I couldn't remember the name mm-hmm. of the uh, the um, announcer, but one of the announcers there it was a Declan Byrne might might have been mm-hmm. um, said that he, he mentioned the Amy Shark thing there himself. Now I didn't pick that. I got to say, and she's a Gold Coast lass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your music has definitely got more a bit more funk to it. You know what I mean by that? Like a bit more yes. lo-fi funk to it than what hers is. Still a bit supermarket pop for me, um, mm-hmm. but your music's a bit more mature. Uh, and I'm not saying that to, 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 you know, that's no not me heaping shit on Amy. Um, it's oh. just personal preference on these sorts of things. So ha- has anybody like a PR company, have you thought about working with a PR company or a, a marketing organisation to help you sort of pitch your music in a certain way, especially with online marketing these days, so as though you can potentially turn it into something that resembles a career? Because, I mean, look, if someone had showed me Amy Shark's music five, six years ago before she had a career, I would have said, I don't know. I have no idea if this is going to take off, but it did. So it's clearly possible. 
Yeah, I I have not like I've worked with publicists. Obviously, I'm working with um, Lee and Adam and yeah. um, but um, I've not considered really looking at um, like marketing or um, online marketing because I kind of don't really know where to start to be honest. And I kind of yeah, um, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's super overwhelming sometimes when you're. Um, releasing a whole heap of music or when you're just kind of getting to a level where you are releasing music a little bit more consistently, you're kind of learning by mistakes and which way is the right way to turn. Um, So, yeah, I haven't worked with a marketing agency or would really know where to start. But um, the thing that I find about music is you can't really tell what is going to take off and what's not going to take off. because you could listen to something and be like, oh, that's a terrible song, and then next minute it's everywhere and everybody absolutely loves it. Or you could listen to music, like to somebody else's music and say, that is amazing, that needs to be, like that's going to be everywhere, and then it just falls, yeah. It's crazy, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? The most random so things. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, God, I'll get this wrong now. God, I had it on the tip of my tongue just a moment ago. What was an album that had a song... I don't know if you remember Warrant. Remember the song Cherry Pie? Uh, She's my cherry pie. Tastes so good. She no, makes a girl man cry. Anyway, it's a glam song from 1990, and it was an afterthought. But the record company heard it, and they went, this is what the album is now going to be. Like, they'd literally done the album, the band, and then they went, mm. oh, it doesn't have a hit single. Go away and write just some catchy song. And in frustration, the guy, I think, Johnny Lane, who's unfortunately no longer with us, went away and effectively wrote a parody of a hit song and it was this song mm. and the record company went great we're going to get behind it go i mean it sold millions of albums but i mean it was yeah. it was one of those things that he went that this trash i wish i never wrote it it's garbage mm. he literally i've just listened to an interview with him uh last night and he's like i wish i never wrote it. it's like a millstone around my neck i hate it you know mm. but to your point like as an artist often we're not the ones to make the decision on these things it has to be an external party that yeah, comes into it with from a from a and you know musicians don't like talking about this stuff, but the commercial reality is if you want to keep making music, you've got to sort of at some point you know you've got to have something that funds it, whether it's your your, your job or yeah. a benefactor or preferably the music itself. You know, mm. so yeah, to your point, it's it's extremely hard. And um, look, I'll make this my last question for you because you know I, I you have accomplished a lot through this EP. But what gives you the greatest sense of accomplishment with your music? Is it just the fact that you can keep going and you've, you you are attached to something beyond yourself that allows you to be creative? Um, the greatest sense of accomplishment I have, particularly with this EP, is listening to it and knowing that it's music that I love to listen to. Um, so I'm, I know, like, and I know that with artists and particularly like. I know that this happens to myself. Like you will write something, you'll be super proud of it and you'll be like, be loving it um, immediately and when it comes out and then like a few years, like, like months later, you'll be like, oh, ooh. And then later you'll look back on it and like be like, oh, hang on, actually there were some really like, this, this is amazing. So I really feel that this EP, I'm like, I love the vibe and I love the music that's the way that it turned out because that's that's kind of the music I've been wanting to nice. make. Yeah. Make sense? It does. I can feel it. 
We've only just met, yeah. and I can feel that. I can. Feel, I feel like as though you've tapped into the music that you're meant to create. You yeah. know that, mm-hmm. and that was that was the thing that I noticed when I was listening to it. It was like everything. I feel like as though everything you wanted to achieve here, you have. You nailed mm-hmm. it. You know, and that, and believe me, that's rare. That's extremely rare. But put it this way: I've never been a part of a project where that's happened. You know. Yeah. And I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people listening who are a lot of my people that listen to the podcast are musicians too. They get it. It's tough, mm. man. It's really hard to nail the vision that you set out to accomplish. But but you've done mm. it. I mean, I, it's it's obviously uh, it's in market now, isn't it? I, I was never lost without you. So people can actually purchase physical copy yeah. and they can stream it. Yeah. Yeah, there's no physical copy. There's just streaming. Um, well, physical copy, I didn't like. They can purchase the digital. Yeah. Um, I was going to do – actually, no, I wasn't. I think CDs – I may do a run of tapes or, like, vinyl one day, but, yeah. No, I'm with you. I don't know why people like CDs these days, to be honest. I, I don't get it. You know, it's an antiquated music format. It doesn't sound as good yeah. as vinyl and it's sort of comparable to MP3 in its quality, yeah. you know, and it's less – it's it's less dynamic. You can't bring it with you places. Or you can, but I mean, remember those days? Remember those CD things we used to carry around with us? With our, I remember my car broke got broken into in 1998 or nine, and I lost half of my CD collection because I was in one yeah. of these huge binder-looking things, you know. But uh, yeah. I've got all these CDs you have still. Files stuff for the seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, look. As I say, look. Congratulations on everything. My final question for you is: um, for people who want to get to in touch with you, they want to listen to your music. Where can they find you? Um, at Seegers Music. So it's either helloseegers.com um, or at Seegers Music on um, Instagram and Facebook. Sweet. Hey, when I'm doing the introduction for the podcast, do you want me to introduce you as Stacey Ann or Seegers? Either. I'm happy. Yeah. Okay, sweet. I'm Seegers, but yeah, I'm happy with either Stacey Ann or Seegers. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, look, good luck with everything. Uh, I mean, everything I said, I think you've, you've done a marvellous job with this here. I love hearing musicians diving into their spirit and doing what they've done here so congratulations on that front and look please keep on creating music and i really hope it's uh, you know it's a success for you and i look forward to listening to the next one great thank you thanks so much for having me that's a pleasure no worries at all okay thanks a lot see ya catch ya bye You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That was Stacey Ann Duff, who goes by the pseudonym Seegers. Thanks so much for listening.